right, welcome to Cisco Champions Radio. Today we'll be talking about DevNet network programmability and automation with Adrian Iliasu. Our Cisco champion hosts are Peter Yan and Jeff Levensailer. I'm Michelle Trick from the Cisco go-to-market team and I'll be moderating. Adrian, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do at Cisco? Sure, yeah, thanks Michelle for the introduction. So my name is Adrian Iliasu. I'm a tech lead with the, the Cisco DevNet team. I've been on the team now for almost five years, so almost since the beginning, uh, and I'm part of the co-creations team now. And as a member of the co-creation team, uh, what we do is we work with partners, customers on uh, specific use cases that they have, and we help them with automating their processes, uh, helping them basically uh, on their journey towards automation, programmability, because we know that the industry is changing and there's a requirement for people to be uh, retrained, show them what's possible, because in a lot of cases they don't know even what's possible. So that's mostly what I do. And then events and other things, podcasts awesome. like this. So yeah, very happy to be here. Good deal. Awesome. Peter, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm a Cisco champion. I've been working with Cisco a long time, even DevNet. Probably I'm one of the first DevNet users uh, registered. Um, independent consultant doing all sorts of network stuff, programming stuff, and actually being in the middle with software engineering and networking as well. And Jeff? Yeah, Jeff Levensailer. I'm a DevNet creator, OG Cisco champion, and senior consulting engineer of Presidio Network Solutions out of the Los Angeles office. I do things uh, like train my fellow engineers on UC automation. I wrote some Python libraries around Axel and Riz and making these mundane uh, administrative tasks and call manager really old program, bringing that into uh, automation. Good deal. Well, host, do you guys want to take it away? So one of the things that was really in the keynote actually uh, is uh, DevNet is really key in, uh, in at the last keynote, at the keynote of this uh, Cisco Live is automation exchange. Topic is automation. Can you ch uh, explain a little bit about automation exchange? What's being announced? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So, for Cisco Live US this year, we've came up with automation exchange, which um, is a new dev center. We call them. So, if you go developer.cisco.com/network-automation, you'll find there a list of curated use cases that we think are useful for uh, the folks, uh, the members of our community. So you would have them organized based on technologies. So there's some data centers, service provider, enterprise networking, their content and use cases. There's also, they're organized on their level of difficulty. So you have what we call walk, run, fly. So your walk use cases would be something uh, on the simpler side in which you maybe get a list of your devices all in a programmatic fashion. You don't really do anything that could break your infrastructure. It's just more like uh, overview, getting statistics, monitoring. Then on the run side would be you're getting into a bit more advanced use cases and on the fly it's multi-domain. We have policy integrations with third-party solutions. That. So it's kind of similar like code exchange from last year, but then primarily focused on automation. Exactly. And yes. is that then limited to a single automation tool? There are so many automation tools out there. Is it mm. Python Ansible only or? No, <laughs> all automation tools, all use cases are welcome in there. So uh, we would love for the community actually to contribute. 
with their own, uh, have a look at what we already have there, but also contribute themselves and come up with their use cases. And as part of the co-creations team, we can actually help them out. So I want to do a shout out on developer.cisco.com slash co-creations also. We have a form in there. If you want to fill it out and we'll get back to you, we'll set up a WebEx conference and see your specific use case and how we can help you out. Okay, great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I've taken advantage of and contributed to Code Exchange, and I'm excited to see how that community starts building and finding your own use case, and maybe somebody else has the same use case as you. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, you've been recognized, right? Thanks for doing all of that. You're a DevNet Creator Award winner on the first edition, so thanks a bunch for your contributions to this, and we love your, your the work you're doing. So let's talk a little bit about automation because it's really a generic term. Um, yeah. Usually it's like day zero, day one, day two, automation. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit on what these distinctions are in general? So, yeah, I mean, with day zero, you usually get your devices, you purchase them, you get them, and now you need to make a configure them in a part of your infrastructure. So there's use cases around plug and play in there, zero touch provisioning, Pixie booting devices, right? So there's um, scripts, Python, whatnot, applications to help you on that journey of getting your uh, device connected to the network. And your day one, in which, and day two, day end, in which you actually start managing them on a day to day basis, you perform changes on them. So we have that tool, bioconfigure VLAN on. UCS, MXOS, ACI at the same time. We have um, uh, streaming telemetry use cases. We have, there's really at this point more than 60 I think that we have. And we keep adding pretty much on a weekly basis more use cases on the uh, network automation right, so network. And and also, D I mean, DNAC is also a split one, DNA Center, DNAC. Um, Cisco DNA Center. Cisco DNA Center, yes. D Cisco DNAC. Um, it also has an automation engine in there. So are also samples for automation exchange for DNA Center in there as well? Because, I mean, that's really for the campus environment. Of course, yes. We have around software image management, swim use cases. We have, we've developed actually in uh, a demo, and you can see it here if you're on site, um, with DNA Center integration. And we've developed a um, augmented reality application on top of it. So what we do is that based on the data we get from DNA Center, we can show you what access points are around you um, when you're in a specific location on the floor. Right? So the whole network is being managed by DNA Center, by Cisco DNA Center. That's the premise. And uh, you get the data. You can get also what type of device it is. We get static data, dynamic, uh, channel numbers, antennas. You can actually interact with the access point from your phone. So you can actually increase the transmit power on it. And yeah, I mean, it's a very cool demo. If you can make it on site, it's great. If not, Cisco.com. They recorded this, the demo, and you can check it out there. So It's a great app. I, I made a similar app myself, which I demoed at Barcelona. So yeah. We actually did the same thing. <laughs> okay, maybe at that moment in time. Are you guys <laughs> doing the Cisco DNA Center? Uh, yeah, I built it on an iOS app using different technologies, but actually the same principle. Like what you can do if you bring all these APIs and programmability of the network to software engineers that are using uh, frameworks like AppKit, uh, Metal, machine learning on your iPhone. 
Right, we've developed it on Android yes. and with Unity. There are some restrictions on iOS. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I love most about the developer.cisco.com, you can find a lot of this code out there. It's been for years on GitHub, but you have to filter through all these repos. You don't really know people, you know, what's, what's out there. Uh, the readmes are not complete. There's lack of documentation. So it's really a curated resource for people to go to, to find, you know, something that's going to be easy to use, almost like an app store. It's not as easy, but as easy as it can possibly be. And, and we'll get there. Yeah, and that's a great comment because we've seen this also internally. We've had a hackathon recently with the Enterprise Networking BU. And they actually didn't know most of them. It's like, oh wow, there's one place and this is, that they recognize that this is one of the things that they were missing. One central point for all the BUs internally, first of all within Cisco to come together is like, oh, where do I, because until now, that each one, their own repos, right, internal. So it's like, now you actually have this opportunity and the option of sharing internally, first of all, and then of course with the community, um, examples, sample codes. Uh, yep, and shout out to Charles Eccleto who manages that. He'll keep you straight. If you submit something, you need a license in there, or you know, what does this do? License, the, the documentation. Yeah. yeah, but also maintaining the code. I mean, building it and it runs, that's fine. But you need to test it. You need to update it. A new Python version comes out, or a new library that you're using. You need to maintain the code as well. Right. Is that also part of the curation, or is it a one-time off? So that's, that's an ongoing discussion. <laughs> You're asking the hard questions for sure, <laughs> Peter. But uh, no, the, that's what we're planning to do. So at this point, it's more on the licensing, readme, uh, make sure that everything is, is in there. But as we go forward, we're looking at uh, looking closely if standards, programming standards are followed, documentation-wise, if the code is documented or not, and then if it's uh, still running on the latest versions, different libraries, maybe different versions of libraries. So it's something that we're working on to, to bring that to our community. Too. Yeah, and it's, since it's source code and there's a huge variety on programming languages, many things in, Py in DevNet are based on Python. But yeah. You can also use Swift or Java to build your own applications and leverage those same APIs. Exactly. I mean, we're going with Python because uh, we think that's the easiest to pick up, right? Usually, especially for network engineers yes. coming into this automation and programmability world, we think Python is the easiest to pick up. So, that, But if after that you're comfortable with Go, JavaScript, Java, Swift... I Ruby mean, on Rails, yeah. whatever. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They all do REST, so it's actually easy. Right. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah, I could just tell you my own experience. Uh, in college, I learned Java, and that was kind of the language of the day. And then I ended up in a networking position, networking job. And when coding started getting back into the focus, I think it was when uh, Cisco Spark, Project Squared, kind of came into play, and they had these Cisco uh, DevNet, uh, you know, two-day camps that they would travel around and tell you about the APIs. That's how a lot of my coworkers got back into programming or into programming to start with. Uh, and at that time, it was kind of an if of what language to use. So I picked up Node.js, um, started writing some libraries in Node. I ended up rewriting those in Python and a third of the time. And once it runs once in Python, it runs every time. It's very predictable, it's very high level, and it's it's almost pseudocode. Mm -hmm. that, that's a nice thing. It's almost <laughs> pseudocode, right? It's yeah. very easily... Uh, 
readable to yeah. the language. So from that perspective, but then you get also the downside with okay, um, it's all mostly CLI based. Yeah, and right. that, that's the power if you go to Swift. Not going into a battle on programming languages here, but just want to provide that uh, within the Apple ecosystem, you have this very nice interface builder. You can just drag and drop your user interface elements and bind them to your code. Yeah, and we had some guys internally that have been doing PHP for years and they're like, well, I can do this in PHP. Why do I need to learn Python? But Exactly. That's the whole thing. And every developer has its own flavor. And that's the beauty of network programmability. Um, the APIs are open. They're, they're irrelevant whether which programming language or which platform you are using. So you're also part of co-creation. Um, what kind of automation tools do you see in the field? Of course, Ansible is probably the, the top runner, but uh, there's also something like Puppet and Chef. And right, so I mean, yes, we do see a lot of Ansible out there and interest from the community. Um, Puppet and Chef are, are coming also uh, along, but I would say definitely Ansible from a network automation perspective. And uh, what else? I mean, we're also trying to show people hey, you can develop your own automation scripts. Uh, because with Ansible, you could get into uh, scalability issues at some point, right, for large networks yeah. in which it's not ideal, yeah. but um, we're working on, I mean, Dimitri Figol is working on Nornir, we have PyATS, Genie, so we're working on some projects uh, that we're pretty much making them available to the community to help them with, with this, with, uh, on the tool side. Um, yeah, I'm thinking out loud, Ansible, Automation Engine, Scalability, uh, but it's all trigger-based, it's all CLI-based. At least the playbooks that I saw were all CLI-based, so it's still CLI going in and out. And I also see a trend going to NetConfian. When will be there the tipping point that I can actually do more with the NetConf modeling on my network devices? Right, so I mean, right now, specifically with Ansible, a lot of the modules are moving towards APIs, REST APIs, instead of CLI, right, because it's just much more easier. And on the NatCom side, uh, as soon as we get a feature parity between what's out there today uh, and what NatCom can offer and the young models, I mean, uh, yeah. I don't see that as being and uh, then I assume that Automation Exchange will provide updated code to leverage those right. new it's models, the, the module, the Ansible yeah. module that you make the connection to the device, right? Yeah. So that, that's also a nice thing because uh, you just change the backend. People just can't keep the same name from the module pretty much. They wouldn't even know what happens in the backend. Yeah, I love the goal of having this you know, data-driven, you know, Yang models you just deploy to a router just across the board is compatible with all your routers. It's not that way today. There's still some old equipment in production. So yeah, I, I kind of got started with NetMiko a long time ago, and I haven't really found that it's worth it to jump ship to something more uh, standardized uh, just yet, just because I can't rely that in my network, it's all going to be compatible. But I like the target. and. I'd like to see that, you know, definitely standardized. So, what is uh, Net DevOps? So kind of plays oh, into this, right? Net, net, it this does. Network is code. We're gonna do some programmability. We're gonna commit that and pipeline it and test it. 
Right. So it's because we're talking about targets, and this is something that's I haven't really seen a hundred percent in any network. It's it's a it's a goal, right? Right, and I mean with NetDevOps, which is pretty much a play on words with networking right. and DevOps, right? Uh, it's mostly around, and depends on who you ask on this. Of course, it's different people have different opinions, but uh, from my perspective, is around creating a CI/CD pipeline to your network configuration, right? So you would have a test network, ideally, I mean to have. A replica of your production network may not be always possible because just of the sheer size of the networks that are running out there. But you would have a subset maybe running on a viral um, instance, right? You would have a subset of your network and you would run configuration tests on it, make sure it pass, they pass, and then you would push them. You would create a CI/CD pipeline for your configuration uh, management on your networking devices from yeah, that's that's something a year ago that I just it blew my mind. I didn't even think about setting up an entire uh, dummy network to test everything on before you go to deploy. So we're talking automation here. We're going to push a command to hundreds of routers. What if that command has like one line off, and now you have to go back in and you have to yeah, change it? That, that's a joke. One error is human. Yeah. Many errors is automation. Yep. And. Uh, the best example for that, some from a colleague who gave that example, is the Coca-Cola factory, for example. They do like 100,000 bottles an hour. That's truly automation, because everything is automated. Imagine what happens if just one bit is wrong in the instructions. That's a lot of cola going over the floor. And actually, in the network, we are getting into that same thing. There are so many data is being transferred over the network. And testing is really critical, and whether you do it Virtually, you can do parts virtually, but it's really difficult to use create those test cases. Is DevNet going to look into that with the code exchange automation? Like well, with the new certifications, you saw the certification on the right side of the slide yesterday, and on the left side, you yeah. saw new job roles that were going to be kind of targeted or incited, and that's going to be a new thing. And network test engineer is like somebody's title yeah. five years from now, two years from now. Three. <laughs> 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 Three and a half. Three and a half. Point okay. <laughs> yeah. Just meet in the middle. Uh, but it, it is really important for everybody who's starting on developing. Um, developing code is not about creating the smartest single lines. It's about doing what you're doing, explaining in the code what you're doing. In the old days, it was like 60% over 40%. 60% code, 40% in your comments, explaining what you're doing. Because you might be creating a very smart one-line code, but imagine if you have to troubleshoot that code one year later or two years later, you're completely forgotten what or you were thinking else. about. Yeah. Or somebody else. Yeah. So comments and unit testing is really important to provide good code quality. And that's going to be indeed with network test engineers, but in general, quality assurance is a complete new field. Nice time ahead. <laughs> so what I've tried to portray to my fellow engineers is take the time to do something scripted out the first time it might take a little bit longer and I know I'm sounding like Hank here but do it it's going to take a little bit longer the first time repeat it share that code somebody else is going to use it and take advantage of it so I started I'm a UC engineer so I started uh, creating all these playbooks I call them so I'll give you some for instance uh, associating users their telephone number and AD to their phone 
Uh, in Call Manager, there's four different places you have to do it. It's kind of an ongoing battle. I have a Python script that will go out and kind of make the relations, uh, make translation pattern for a CSV, block all the Caribbean numbers, uh, create an as-built <laughs> documentation, <laughs> uh, no take the fax number from AD and create a route pattern to go to your X-Media server. These are all really simple things, and you know you might not need all of these, but during a deployment, you're going to run into one or two of these that you know it's good to have. Yes, that's true. But you also have to be careful in the, in the network. Uh, in my experience, is that automation can only be successful if your network is standardized. If you have a network that's very diverse on switch config, on port config, you can do automation on the image upgrading, but everything in the next step is really difficult. Is there some things that DevNet can help with that? So, yeah, that, that's a great point because automation will most probably bring like a unified view of the network, right? In the sense that now, like you said, there's maybe a lot of different configuration between the devices, but once you start automating and you start doing it at scale, then everything kind of becomes uniform, right? Because yeah. maybe you forgot that switch on that port manually if you connect with the CLI. Oh yeah, I had to apply this access list on it, but I forgot. Well, once you start automating and testing ideally with a small CICD pipeline, then you would actually unify everything and have it consistent. So that's one other advantage, if you can think of it, of you know automating and, and looking at programming uh, your yeah. infrastructure. And then you have to be careful there because I know that uh, quite some network engineers are not comfortable with programming. They start with Python and somehow it fails because the network is not standardized and then they're going to blame it on the tools. Well, it's not actually the tool. It's actually the situation of the network itself. It's not standardized. And if it's not standardized, you cannot automate. Yeah, some of the commands are just a little bit different on the interface and you have to, well, is it this switch or this model switch? So I, I can see where yeah. You know, standardizing is not something that was, you know, it's always been a goal, but it just kind of fell through the cracks before, and now it's going to be like a necessity. Which is logical. I mean, the CEO comes in, yeah, I want to have this new IPTV camera, and it needs to be on a separate network. So you go down, log into that switch, traditionally thinking, and configure it in a specific VLAN. And there you go with your standardized configuration. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, NetConf, Yang is probably going to bring, uh, for sure, yeah. a lot of uh, advantages on the standardization front because the model, everybody is implementing it, right? And Whatever vendor you have, it, it's that's the model. Yes, and with the modern iOS XE releases on all the switches and routers, the programmability is there. There's so many Ansible playbooks as examples already out there. Yeah, as much as I love NetMiko, I know that it's not the future of programming. It's... Really, it's uh, pi expect. You're going to send something and expect this to be sent back, and then I'm going to do something on that. So it's very rudimentary. It's been working for years, but I, I'm looking forward to. But as uh, we're all three developers, network is programmable now. We're currently focusing on automation and on making life easier. What's the next step? I think uh, integrations, right? Uh, that's can be huge because you're not living in silos anymore. Network is not by itself anymore. You have to interact with the application. You have to interact with monitoring. You have to make it all seamless and integrate with 
especially with IoT coming on, right? You have to have your elevator system with your AC, with your, so we bring everything on a network. Integration is gotta be critical. So once we start automating our networks, our state integration part coming, I think will be very important and I'm huge, honestly, and especially on the IoT side. So we better set get started now. Yes, <laughs> I mean you should have started five years ago on the automation path. Actually, <laughs> so Adrian, you were also part of the demo jam at DevNet Create. Yes, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your what you showcased there? Yeah, sure. So that was that was a use case that we've had come to us from um, our SC team in Brazil. So they came to us and they said, uh, hey, we have uh, a lot of MSP partners, so it's like managed service providers that are using the uh, Cisco SD-WAN solution after the Viptel acquisition. And um, they were using for each of their customers single tenant environments of SD-WAN. So vManage for uh, a dedicated instance of vManage for uh, all of each of their customers. So the idea there was, can we help them to come up with an interface that would give them a similar experience to the multi-tenant environment on vManage so that they can see all their customers in one pane of glass view type of thing. They put it on the TV in a knock and then everybody knows, yes, this is the list of my uh, customers, their status. Um, and then also you can interact with the vManage instance by simply pressing on the graphical user interface on your tenant, opens up a new window, uh, you're already connected to vManage and you start troubleshooting. So it came uh, the requirement uh, and we said, sure, we took on the challenge and it took two engineers two weeks to get it working, right? We showcased them and it's being implemented now with some of the MSPs in Latin America, our, our partners. Um, so that's just one of them. On the integration side for NRF this year, which is the National Retail Forum, is in January. We're working on integrations of having Cisco Vision with Cisco Meraki, with MishiPay, with Asynchrony, with WWT. So a lot of all our partners, customers, we came out with the solution for the retail store of the future. Pretty much, you walk in, um, your face gets detected by a video feed. Uh, and then we also have the grab and go um, offering in which you can just go grab the object, whatever so you want to purchase. The Amazon store. Pretty much uh, the Amazon store, but always Cisco technology and uh, our partners, yes. So, so it's not owned by Amazon. This is a, a technology that other stores could take advantage of. Yes, yeah. and like I said, developer.cisco.com slash co-creations. If you folks are interested, uh, more than happy to work with you on showing you how we actually have done this. Um, what else? I mean, here all week I'm doing NXOS, so automation around NXOS, NX API, uh, NX SDK now, which was launched um, a while back, a couple of years ago, but now is really picking up, so you can start developing your own few uh, features on Axis, which I thought when I saw is like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. There's not a show command there that I needed to to be. I will just can implement it myself. There's a, not a protocol uh, that's there on, on the switch now. Okay, I can do it myself, right? So you can actually become a developer, an Axis developer in your basement, pretty much. You don't need to be a Cisco employee to develop on Axis anymore. Right? That's true. And then you, have, of course, have the sandboxes to test your code out as well. 
Yes, you can run Docker on access switches now. Of course, you had Gas Shell for a while. So, I mean, just the options is, is incredible. And the openness of the solution is just blew my mind. Yeah, super cool stuff. Uh, what do you find that organizations aren't doing enough with automation? So I think critical will be training, right? Because a lot of the folks, network engineers today, they've gone through CCNA in most cases, CCMP and maybe CCIEs, or they've jumped. So I think on the training side, uh, DevNet coming up with the new certifications is going to be critical. And from my perspective, I think on the learning at Cisco, this will be the second most important step that they've done since the program started 20 plus years ago, right? For the longest time, it used to be CCNA, CCMP, and it was all routing and switching. Then the first major shift when was they started adding data center, collapse, security, wireless. So that was one major shift of going from routing and switch to services, collaboration, security, right? So it expanded massively. And then now would be, the, well, yesterday when it was announced, right, is the next big thing that's happening with the certifications at Cisco in which, yes, we're gonna recognize software developers that are interested in infrastructure and we're gonna certify them so that the industry knows like they knew with CCNAs and CCMP so far that yes, these people have this type of skills, we certified them that they're capable of doing these tasks for you. So I think that's critical. And specifically for DevNet, this is going mainstream, right? This is the point where it's official. We've been doing it for the past four or five years now. But uh, at this point, this is a certified official you can be proud of uh, what you're studying now. You can showcase and looking for the jobs of the future, right? Yeah, I think certifications, you know, it's just been that top of mind for engineers for as long as I've been in the industry, but that's their validation. That's what they need to get. You know, they have projects they may not be able to talk about or prove that they've done, but this certification is like, I've done it, I know this. And really what I love about yesterday, it's the 80-20. There's these new CCNA, the infrastructure certs that have 20% programmability in there. Mm -hmm. And then you have the specializations, the DevNet certifications that have mostly developer, but there's a little bit of infrastructure. So there's a lot of cross training there. But yeah, it was, it was great yesterday to see that development is top of mind for Cisco and to see Chuck Robbins up there talking about DevNet was yes, amazing. Because in the past it was very difficult to explain a, a software engineer what an IP network and a subnet is. Exactly. No longer. That will no longer be the case, hopefully, <laughs> right? So at least software de developers also get that 20% of networking so that they know hey, what's happening in the back. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, well, take us out. Yeah, sure. One thing, I've learned a lot, a lot from you, Adrian. Do you have questions for us? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you guys are amazing, like I said. Uh, I'm super happy with your contributions to our community. So, I mean, just keep it up, right? Uh, super grateful. Thank you for what, all, uh, all you do for Cisco and for them. So, I appreciate all your work. Thank, Thank you. you. Awesome. Good job, guys. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us for another great episode of Cisco Champions Radio. Thank you, Adrian, for sharing all your insight and talking to us more about DevNet and what people should be excited about. Thank you, Peter, Jan, and Jeff, for all your questions and keeping this conversation going. 
to look for this episode and other episodes, you can check out iTunes or cisco.com slash go slash CCR. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>